we rest on the promise of God in the concerning of his son, who is our only hope for life. It is during the time of Christmas, this Christmas season, that we celebrate the fulfillment of the promise God made that he would give a way to draw us near to him. In my looking at different things about Christmas this past week, I've really wrestled with a lot of different things. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm taking a break from John to deal with one that last week we talked about being thankful. And now for the next couple of weeks up until Christmas, uh, we will be dealing with the Christmas theme. And uh, I looked at, and probably you'll, I'll get to it probably next Sunday, Luke chapter 2 and Matthew and all the different passages that deal with Christmas time and the birth of Christ and all that's in involved in that. And then early this morning, I happened to be looking at some stuff, and I said, you know, I'd always wondered. I've heard the word, and I knew, kind of knew what it meant. But, you know, many times at this time of year, we hear the word Advent. And somebody says, well, what is the Advent? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. In case you didn't, uh, I, I kind of checked out some things this morning. And uh, the word Advent is, comes from a Latin word, which means Advent air which means to come to or to arrive. It talks about, the definition also talks about the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. The synonym to Advent would be arrival, appearance, emergence, occurrence, dawn, birth, rise, or materialization. Just by that definition, it fulfills everything of what Christ is all about. Because the Advent, especially for us today, deals with the first, it deals with the four weeks prior to Christmas Day. And it takes up a lot of different things. I looked up some stuff and I was checking out some things. There's a thing called Advent Calendar, which marks all the 24 days up till Christmas, and you could put whatever it is that you want to put on that calendar. Uh, I can't think of her name. She's one of the Kardashians, but she has an Advent calendar. It's not the, not, not the main sister, the little sister, the ones in the news all the time. She has an, an Advent calendar. It could be, uh, there was the thing called the Advent, uh, dealt with chocolate. So for 24 days, the Advent of celebrating what Christmas is all about, you fill it with 24 days full of chocolate. So uh, I know some of you are like, yes, that's what I want. Not that I need it, but I want it. So the Advent calendar was really dealing with, it's a special calendar that you can mark, and it, you know, you take a calendar with each block of the fir, uh, from December 1st all the way to December 24th, 24th and you can put whatever it is that uh, you want to. Among uh, what has, really has happened among uh, those of the Catholic faith, it deals with three aspects of the Advent. It deals with the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ in Catholic lives, and that means not universal, everybody, but the, the Roman Catholic Church, and also the second coming of Christ. It also deals with, uh, it's a traditionally celebrated uh, 
with more praying and fasting. Some people take the Advent time and say, you know what, we're going to pray and we're going to fast. We're not going to eat meat on Friday. No snacking between meals. And in general, it deals with good behavior ahead of the celebrations accompanying Christmas. And when I was reading that about not eating meat and not eating snacks, I said, that's a good thing. But that deals to me, that talks more about works than it does about faith. That's a good thing. If you don't want to eat meat, that's fine. But I would say for most of us, we're going to chow down on something, something mooing, something crowing, something whatever, crawling, whatever. Amen? But, hey, it's like when you get to Easter and Lent and all that, that's fine. You know, fasting is about taking time away from something. Some of us need to fast away from some food. Some of us need to fast away from some television. Some of us need to fast away from a lot of different things. Take a break from. Amen? But when we talk about the Advent, I thought it was interesting. He talks about the arrival of a notable person. Who is more notable than Jesus? So when I think of Advent, if I was to think of it, I would think my focus would be on Christ, Jesus, and who he is and what he has done. It talks about uh, a, a particular event. What other? Do you realize that this is the only event in human history that has a religious connotation that everybody pretty much celebrates, both pagan and believer? I mean, there's not too many people that talk about whether they... I mean, there's no way to get around it. This, you could take, try to take Jesus out of Christmas, but you really can't do it because that's the whole point of Christmas is Christ's Mass. Now, you could take the X and make, you know, X Mass and all that. But really, how, how many people do you know that when you say, isn't this a great time of the year? They can't get around the fact of saying it's Christmas time. Even in our secular songs, it, you know, Charlie Brown, it, it's Christmas time is here. I mean... How, how are you going to sing that song without talking about Christ? So it's a notable person, Jesus. It's a, a spectacular event in the terms of the birth of Christ. As I thought it was interesting. It talks about the arrival, the appearance, the emergence. All throughout Scripture, the Word of God predicted. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Talked and led us into what was going to happen after Adam and Eve had sinned and, and all that? In Genesis 3.15, God himself says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Talking about what Christ would do ultimately in defeating the devil. Other passages of scripture that, that I think were, are noticeable is in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15 through 18. It says, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. 
and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. Talking about who Jesus was going to do and who he is. Amen? Then over in the book of Isaiah, you had some of that read in your hearing. Isaiah chapter 9, 6, and 7. Love this passage of scripture. This is one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite passages of scripture. And I think I, the reason why I really like that is because when I was growing up, I would always watch Charlie Brown Christmas. And when little Linus comes out, stands before that little broken up tree, he would stand and the light would shine on him in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And he would say these words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Ultimately, Jesus Christ will reign. Amen? And of the increase of his government and of peace... There will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this in the person of Christ. He will ultimately reign on the throne of David. So how do you know that, Pastor? Well, I tell you what, read the Gospel of Matthew, and it will go through the 42 generations of Jesus Christ, to which ultimately, ultimately it will tell you and I that on the throne, Jesus Christ himself will sit on the throne of David. He is a descendant of David, which gives him to the right to sit on the throne as king. He's not only king, he's also prophet, and he's also our priest. That's what gives him the right to sit on the throne. That's what gives him the right to intercede on our behalf. And that was gives him the right to proclaim the word of God. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 14, you have these words, I believe, if I'm correct. Yes, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you, we talked about this in Sunday school, a sign. Now look at this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Did you catch what he says? Way before Christ was ever born, Isaiah the prophet penned these words. And he said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Matthew and Luke talked about it when they talked about Mary. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Way before it even happened. She's going to conceive. She's going to bear a son. And by the way, his name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. Later on, picked it up, Joseph was told, you shall shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. See, back at that time, names meant something. They used to name somebody a name just because that's what they liked. It had significance. It had value. It, It tied into sometimes their own experiences. 
in the book of Micah. Say, so where's Micah at, Pastor? It's one of the minor prophets. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Back there towards the back where your pages stick together because you don't get there too often. It's foretold where Jesus was going to be born. Not only was his name given, but also it says, but you, Micah 5, 2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me. One who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancients, from ancient days. Who's he talking about? Jesus. So throughout the, from Genesis, throughout the whole Old Testament, it was told that there was coming one who, for the Jewish people, was the promised Messiah. The promised one. They, they were waiting for him to come. And from Genesis, where he talked about the serpent, and he shall bruise your head, and he shall crush your heel. From that point, throughout all, from when they were in Israel, when they were in the land of captivity, and God brought them and delivered them to a pillar by fire, uh, by, by a cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. All of that that transpired to the sacrifices, to the things that were given in the tabernacle, in the temple, they were given sacrifice. All of that pointed to what Jesus was going to do for them. So that by the time we get to Matthew and Luke and Mark and John, the thing, the thing that happened, if you go with me real quickly to Luke chapter 24, the, the, the indictment that Jesus has is, wait a minute, how, did you, how do you not know who I am? You say you study the scriptures. Luke 24, 25 through 27. I mean, this is a, a stinging indictment on the, quote, religious people. Got to watch religious people because they can, they can cause a lot of problems. I said religious. I didn't say saved. He said to them, this is Jesus. He said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. Moses and the prophets talked about me. Go over to 44 through 47 in that same chapter of Luke 24. Luke 24, 44 through 47. Then he said to them, these are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and, the, and, the, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be, claimed, should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And then he lets them know in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. You're seeing these things done. All that the prophets from the law of Moses, catch what he says here, from the law of Moses, all through the Psalms, all of the word that they had, the Old Testament at that time, all that, that spoke about Jesus, who he was, what his name, where he was to be born, 
Well, who would conceive him? How is he going to be conceived? Everything about his birth was foretold so that they were without excuse for not knowing who he is. Amen? So we have this Advent. This is a time to celebrate. This is a time to announce and, and, and be anticipating the arrival, the, the coming, the materialization. This is a special event. This is not just any ordinary person. This is Jesus himself, the Son of God. Amen? Last but not least, in 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to just sort of set the tone that this is a special time of the year. And when I think about people, and I think I talked about it last week, we talk about this is the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it is the most wonderful time of the year because we can talk about our Savior. We can talk about Jesus. We ought to be focused on him. I think we talk about Jesus is the reason for the season. We have no season if we have no Christ. Amen? For he is the very reason why we celebrate this season. 1 Peter chapter 1, 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Concerning this salvation, the salvation that we have right now in Christ. Concerning this salvation, Peter's writing to the believers there who were under persecution and let them know that, yes, we, we will be saved, but know this, that as Christ suffered, we also will suffer. But he says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, search and inquire carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. The Old Testament prophets were given the Word of God, and they were given the idea of who Christ was, and yet they didn't understand really who he was and when he was to come. They were searching. Notice what he says here. They were searching and inquiring about the person of the time of the Spirit of Christ. They were given that, but they did not under, fully understand it. When, when we read the New Testament, Paul talks about the mystery that was given. The word mystery is not like the same word we think of mystery. It's a truth that was not yet fully revealed. They knew Christ was coming. They knew he was the Son of God. They knew all that, but the mystery was when was he coming? And how was he coming? And what, how is he going to manifest himself to them at that time? That was the mystery that God only gave them a partial revelation of who Jesus is. And they spent a lot of their time searching, to, trying to find out who Jesus really was. Amen? But guess what happens? It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. It wasn't about them as much as it was about us and the believers at the time that Peter was writing. Because he says, it wasn't really about them. They were not serving themselves, but they were serving us, or you, the believers at that time, in the things that now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. Now what they only knew in part has been made fully known by what the prophets and what we, have, what we now know to be true. In other words, they only knew in part, but now 
They, those people that Peter was talking to, and we today can know the full truth of God because what do we do? We stand on the history of God and we look back to see and know how all about Jesus has been. We have the full, we have the full story now. We now know that what was told in the Old Testament by Micah, by Isaiah, his name, we know that now to be true. Why? Because Mark or Matthew talks about in the, city of Beth, in the city of Bethlehem at the time when there was a time they were taking an inquiry of all that lived. That two people, Mary and Joseph, went up to Jerusalem. We're told about his birth, that she was with child. We're told about how Joseph wanted to do away with her, but he could. But we're told also all the things that they didn't know, the, the holes, the, the things have been filled. Filled in because now we have the full story. And we rest on what they knew in part, but now we got the whole story. So now we are, we are now without excuse. We know it. We should believe it. We should celebrate it. Why? Because we got the full story. What was his name, Paul Harvey? And now, at the end of his little thing on radio, he used to say, and now for what? The rest of the story. We have the rest of the story. Amen. And that's what we ought to think about this Christmas season, this time of year where we're going to, we should be focused on Jesus. Now, I know. I, I, I grew up in church. I, I, I get it. Sometimes we pastors and preachers can get on our hobby horse and carry it away. There is no, let me say this. There's nothing wrong in celebrating Christmas and the getting of gifts. And yesterday I went out and got our little tree and we put up our tree and We'll probably get the tree out here at the church, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with gifts and, and the holiday season. I, I told my son, I told him, but let's do some Christmas stuff. We get four weeks till Christmas, the weeks, four weeks till Christmas gets here, we're going to talk about Christmas. Amen? Amen? To keep our, but here's the thing. Let's not, let's, not, let's not let that be the focus. Let's not get tied up in the tinsel and the glisten of the tree and, and running around from mall to mall and place to place. Cyber, uh, uh, what is it called? Cyber Monday and, and Black Friday and, and Green Thursday or whatever. All these different things. And make no mistake, they have Black Friday Friday. They're going to have Cyber Monday tomorrow. But this is, we got 20 some, almost 23 more days, 24 more days till it actually gets here. There will be more sales. Which makes me think that what they say is the lowest price now may not actually be the right price in the first place. It's the lowest that they're willing to give us now. And I was, I was watching the news the other day, and not many people, they went to Toys R Us, they went to Target, or Target, whatever you want to call it, Target, Target. And uh, there was already nobody standing in lines. They had a little reporter out there, and they were like, makes me think of when me and my wife went to New York City. We went there New Year's Eve, packed. We were up at what used to be the World Trade Center, at the top of the thing there, looking down because we couldn't see because of the clouds, and people everywhere. The next morning, we got up, and we went outside in New York City. This is hard to believe. We walked outside, and it was like, hello, hello. There was nobody on the street. The night before, millions. The day after, nobody. And I thought, wow. So all this clamoring around, trying to find sales, doing this. Do you realize that when it's all said and done, the real meaning of Christmas isn't about whether you got your gift or not. It's not about whether you, you know, we use Christmas as our, as our want and wish list. 
Everything we are not willing to buy for ourselves, we want somebody else to buy it for us. Now, I don't want to go out and spend money on a watch, but if you want to get me a watch, God bless you, and I can tell you what kind of watch I want. <laughs> That's how we do it, some of us. But I think I, I, I'm at the age now, I'm thinking, if I just get up Christmas morning, we'll have Christmas dinner, Lord willing, and I wake up and everybody in my family is still there, I'm good with that. Amen? Because I'm going to be honest with you, my kids probably get tired of me saying, they really, I mean, when they were coming up and even, they've had Christmas, most of our kids and most of us have Christmas all year long. How much stuff do we really need that we don't get when we want to get it? I mean, that's basically true of most of all of us. We're not really lacking a whole lot. Well, yeah, I mean, well, some things we want would be nice to have, but sometimes, you know, be thankful that we're still together. The old times were saying a reasonable portion of health and strength. I may have a little pain here, a little pain there, but overall, I've been blessed. I got a warm house. Lord willing, we'll wake up Christmas and we'll make some bread, we'll cook some food. People are going to come to the house. The laughing and joyfulness of just being a family. It's a blessing. That to me is the real spirit what Christmas is about. Somebody says, well, yeah, but if somebody gets you something, are you going to give it back? Well, no. If they give it to me, I'm going to take it. I mean, yeah. Don't want to just deny somebody their joy of giving. I mean, if they want to do that, that's fine. But it's like what I talk about with preachers, you know, if you come to my church, I come to your church. Well, no, no. I'm not inviting you here for, for me to go to your church. I'm not, if you buy me a gift, you don't need to sit there and go, <clears throat> Am I missing something? Uh, I got you. I, I just got you a gift. Uh-huh. Thank you. <clears throat> you know, and you're like, is there something else? Well, yeah. I got you something. Did you get me something? Mm, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> now you're going to cough and have it, get an attitude. What's the real meaning of Christmas? It's about giving. You know that's true because God in his word started it all out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his best that he had, not that we would give back to him. He hopes we would give back to him in our faithfulness and our service. But he gave not knowing that we would be obedient to the word. He gave without knowing that we would be obedient to what he had done. Amen? That's the biblical principle. We give not to give. We give because of the joy of giving to others. When we were at Wendy's doing all that preparation for Thanksgiving, it was good to know that 1,900 people, whatever, who didn't, may not have had something to eat, was going to get something on Thanksgiving Day. And the fact that I had a small part to play in it, we didn't do anything special, was a good thing. Got up early that morning. And, it's like, and part of me during the week was like, I really don't want to do this. Jesus, no, I'll let my family go. I'm the pastor. I don't need to show up to all this stuff. You don't want me there. Well, I don't need to be there. But I'm glad I, sometimes you don't base things on your feelings. Because what you may not feel like doing, but once you get there, all oh, the joy of being able to help and do, and, you know, it was a good thing. Jesus. 
the prophets. But I want you to notice something else in 1 Peter chapter 1. He talks about the angels. He says, not, it's not about serving not themselves, but you and the things that have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Catch this. Things into which the angels long for. The angels in heaven don't understand the relationship between God and man. They don't get it. They are around the throne of God all the time, and they wonder, what is it about us that is so special that God would send his son to die for such creatures like us? And they're sitting in heaven, and notice what it says here. It says, sent from heaven, the things into which angels long to look. That word look has the idea of to bend over, to be looking or perceiving into something. It's like they're sitting in heaven and they're doing this. They're bent over. They're looking down. They, the idea is they are inquisitive. They're, asking, they're, 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 they're trying to find an answer to what they're looking at. You know, you ever do that? And you, you know, you, what is that? What do you do? What do you, when you bend over and you're looking like that, what do you do? You're asking the question, what is, what is that on my floor? Wait a minute. What's happening over there? That's what they're doing because they don't get it. Why would God go to such lengths to save us? Why? No reason at all. None. But he did. Amen? It says here, I wrote down here, it says that it's more about their curiosity, their hidden interest in, in seeing something spectacular. They're watching all this from heaven and they're like, Wow. Look what's going on down there. It's their interest in human affairs. You know how we know that? Because Luke 15, 7 and 10 says the angels rejoice over one who comes to know the Lord. We have somebody walk down the aisle and say they want to be saved. We ought to be celebrating. We ought to be excited. But you know what? Whether we are or not, the angels in heaven rejoice over one person that comes Amen? Amen? All that he says here implies the significance of our Christian redemption. All that we read here, all the passages that we shared with you, talks about the importance or the significance of what God did for us. That ought that, to make us say to ourselves, if God went to such lengths to save us, how can I come in? And not celebrate his goodness. How can I not stand and sing? How can I not clap? How can I not? Every now and then. I've got to be able to say to myself. God you've been so good to me. God you saved me. Above all else. You saved me from my sin. Maybe we don't understand what that really means. The fact that he's saved. If you're saved today. Blood bought. Redeemed by the blood of Christ. Made new. Born again. That's the best news you'll ever have in your life. Somebody says, oh, I don't know. Just let me have the publisher's clearinghouse come to my house. In that little van with the balloons and the press. No, it shouldn't take that to make you happy. 
Because whether you get that or not, guess what? The best thing that ever happened to you and I, if you know Jesus, is that he saved you. Why is that, Pastor? Because if you're saved today and you know Christ in the free part of your sin, you're spared the eternal damnation of, and judgment of God from going to hell. And one day when you and I die, and we will die one day, we will be in the very presence of Christ in a place called heaven. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more running around, no more crying for this and crying about that. No more, no more agony, no more disappointment. No more disappointment about your wife because she didn't do this or husband because they didn't do that or your kids because they did this or your best friend because they did that. None of that. No more worried about my job, my security, my money, what's going to happen with the stock market. All, none of that to be in the presence of God himself. You know what? I, I really believe the reason why we don't celebrate as much as we should, because some of us really don't understand what Jesus actually did for us. And then the other part of it is, it's such a mystery. It's really, it's really not. We just don't talk about it much. But it's such a mystery that some of us are like what my kids do sometimes. Well, Dad, I... I want Jesus to come back, but I just don't want him to come back right now. I want to go to heaven, but I really don't understand what heaven's about. So I'm, I'm kind of afraid that I don't know if I really want to go there. Really? Because of the mystery of what... Listen, if God says he has a very best for us, what makes us think that going to heaven is going to be such a terrible thing? Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But some of us want to put a little addendum on that. I know that's true. But, no, no but. We ought to live our life every single day as if Jesus was going to come today. Even so now come, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. No matter what we've planned to do from today or tomorrow or by Christmas, whatever, we ought to wake up, we ought to woke up this day saying, Jesus Come today. But you know why we don't do that? Because most of us, and in fact, all of us, have some work that's still undone. We got some stuff we need to get right before. I hope we get right before he comes. Amen? But that's how they lived in the New Testament. They wanted Jesus to come. They woke up, come now, Lord Jesus, today. You wake up tomorrow, come Jesus today. Wake up Tuesday, come, come Jesus, come now, Lord Jesus. You can't worry about what you have done or not done. Because I'm going to be honest with you, you're never going to get it all done anyway. You rest and I rest on the finished work of Christ. It's not what you, you could purpose in your heart to never lie again. And I'll tell you, the fact that you didn't say that out of your mouth, you're already a liar. I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to say, in fact, you know what? I'm, gonna make, I'm not going to say any bad words. I'm not going to think any bad thoughts. I'm not going to. No, you're already lying. Because before the day's over, some of us, we, how many have woke up and purposed in their heart not to do some things, and before the day's over, you do it? Well, most of us, those of us that are honest. And if you make it through a day, don't, don't be fooled. Tomorrow's coming. You're going to mess it up. Why? It's just, our, it's just who we are. Some of us have talk, 
started out saying, you know what, now that I've had Thanksgiving, I'm going to cut back on my food. I ate too much. I'm going on a diet. I'm going to. We got four weeks. I want to see how. How many have professed that statement? <laughs> Amen. Sooner or later, somebody's going to do something. That's how the devil does us. Sooner or later, he's going to throw something at us. Say, hey, all right, you're not going to eat any. You're going to be on a diet now? Cool. Hello? Hey, how you doing? Great. Hey, you know what? I just made a good old apple cherry pie. Do you want some? I don't want to eat this whole thing, but do you want some? Now, you know, or they call and say, uh, why don't you come over to my house for dinner? And you're thinking, okay, that sounds good. And then you get there and it's full spread. And you're thinking, I just purposed in my heart. I wouldn't do this. But how do you go through line and not take all the food? Well, I'll just take a little macaroni. Sister Secret could call me and say, Pastor, guess what I did? What did you do, sis? I made some wings and sauce. Excuse me, what'd you do? <laughs> She's got this sauce. Let me talk to you a second. She's not giving us the full recipe. She's hiding some things. But she just don't make it if you ask her. Since you're close to her, maybe you can <laughs> peek over her shoulder. Amen. Good tidings. This is going to be the title. Good tidings of great joy. That's what I'm going to wind up at when we finish the series. Good tidings of great joy. We ought to have good tidings. We ought, we ought to rejoice in what God has done for us. And above all that, we ought to have great joy in Christ. He's done too much for us, for us to walk around and looking like sad sacks. Life can be tough. Things can be hard. But you know what? With Jesus on our side. He's more than the whole world against us. So I can stand in the midst of trouble, sinking. I'm on sinking sand, but I know that underneath the sand is a solid rock. And that rock is Jesus. They tell me that when life throws you lemons, make lemonade. Amen. Some of us may think life has thrown us a bunch of lemons, but turn those lemons into lemonade. Rejoice in what this Christmas season really is about. Amen? Good tidings of great joy. Because that's what's going to happen when we get to Luke chapter 2. That's what he's going to tell the shepherds. Good tidings of great joy. If they could have it, we could have it. Amen? So as we begin to celebrate Christmas, let's not forget about Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word.